Welcome to the January 23rd sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is John chapter 21, verses 20 through 25, and the sermon is entitled, The Final Call, Follow Me, delivered today by Pastor Michael Fitzgerald. Have you ever been on a journey? Maybe your family took an extended vacation or something of that sort, and you enjoyed every step of it, and you get to the end of it and say, wasn't that a great journey? kind of where we are today in the Gospel of John. Today is a momentous occasion for me. This is sermon number 66 in the Gospel of John, and it is the last sermon in the Gospel of John. It's amazing to me. God has brought me blessing because we have studied His Word together. God has clarified my vision as we studied the Gospel of John together. And I want to give you a word of testimony today. Some of you know it, some of you don't. But back in October of 2020, I was in the hospital with COVID. And there was a day or two in that journey that were pretty close calls. My lungs were full of blood clots. And praise God for good doctors and good medication, but most importantly, the ministry of the great physician. But I want you to know, as I laid in the hospital, I seriously tell you this, and I mean it with all my heart. I had begun this sermon series, and I had just finished Sermon 22. So we were one-third of the way through the sermon series as I laid in the hospital bed. And very seriously, I say to you, I pray to God, Lord God, I want to get out of this hospital because I want to finish the Gospel of John. And today is the day. Praise God, I am here to finish the Gospel of John. How wonderful that is. God is great and God is good. So today we're going to close chapter 21. Get your Bible out. Turn with me there as we close the Gospel. Let me set the stage of the 21st chapter. There are two main characters in this chapter, Jesus and Peter. Let me tell you this. As I begin this sermon, there are two main characters in your life, Jesus and you. And what you do for him and with him dictates everything else that happens in your life, from your married life to your life with your children and grandchildren and family to your work life to your outdoor life, whatever it is. Everything hinges upon your relationship with Jesus. It's Jesus and you. Just like here, it's Jesus and Peter. I want to set that stage because we're going to bring it to that. For three years, Peter had followed Jesus as his Lord. And as you know, Peter was a strong, impetuous man. He had his own mind. He was going to live his own way in so many ways, and yet he followed the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, Peter rose to be one of the leading disciples of the Twelve. Anytime in your Bible that you see a listing of the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, Simon Peter is always, always first. So I believe he was the leader of the disciples. He was the man to whom the disciples looked for strength and leadership Right underneath the Lord Jesus Christ. They followed the Lord Jesus and then they stood behind Peter. I personally love his presence in the Bible. He was indeed a very strong man. He had great strengths, but he also had some significant failures, didn't he? And I think when we study the Gospels and when we study the life of Peter, we kind of see ourselves there. I certainly do. We're all connected to Peter in that we want to have strength in the Lord. We want to follow the Lord. We don't want to compromise. And yet there are moments that we have to say, Lord Jesus, I failed you there. I Forgive me. I want to continue on as your child and as your minister in this world. But Peter's darkest moment of life came on the evening before the Lord Jesus went to the cross the next day. As the Lord faced questions and trials and persecution throughout the evening before the day of the cross, Peter followed along, probably mostly in the shadows, 
wanting to just be close to the Lord, but staying back far enough away so that he kept his identity in the shadows, kept his identity back from the Lord Jesus. And of course, as the Lord went through that night, that horrible night as Peter followed him, although he had publicly stated earlier, and we see this statement in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, verse 33, Peter said, Lord, should all men stop following you, Should all other men fail you, I'm going to be there. I will not fail you. I will not fail to follow you. And yet, just a short while later, as Jesus faced the night of persecution before the cross, that night, Peter failed him miserably. In the Gospel of John, chapter 18, verses 17, and then 25 through 27, three times, not only did Peter denied Jesus as his Lord, he denied Jesus even as an acquaintance. I don't even know him. He denied him. Even though he had stated earlier, I'll never fail you. That night, under the pressure of Jesus going to the cross, he denied him three times. And he had shed many a bitter tear that he turned his back on his master. He wept immediately after he knew he had Three times denied his Lord, but I believe that he shed many, many, many tears after that moment in the days that were to come. Well, as we come to chapter 21, Jesus had been through the agony of the cross. He had experienced the victory from the resurrection of the grave, the living, resurrected Lord. And he had instructed his disciples to meet him in Galilee. If you remember at the close of chapter 20, All of the disciples are gathered on resurrection uh, in Jerusalem. And yet, as 21 opens, Jesus had instructed them, meet me in Galilee. They had traveled from the close of chapter 20 to the opening of chapter 21. They traveled 70 miles northward and met him in Galilee. So disciples were gathered there. One subset of the disciples had Peter among them. And in that meeting, Jesus focuses on Peter. Three times Peter had said, I don't know him. He's not even an acquaintance of mine. Three times Peter denied him, and yet now Jesus three times asks him, Peter, do you love me? Simon, do you love me? This man who had suffered the regret of his denials answers Jesus very unassuredly, very timidly, even toning down his language because he was so ashamed of what he had done, and yet he wanted the Lord to know that he did love him indeed. So Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? And three times Peter replies rather timidly, Lord, you know I love you. This man had suffered the regret of his denials. And in this interchange of questions and answers of love, when Jesus asked Peter these questions, he's restoring him, he's building him, he's repairing that broken foundation of denial that Peter was standing on. Jesus was repairing that foundation so Peter could stand again, so Peter could minister again, so Peter could be that strong man, the rock of the Lord, the rock of faith that Jesus had named him to be. So three times Jesus asks, do you love me? And three times Peter is being restored, saying, yes, Lord, I love you. And in that interchange, Jesus is forgiving Peter, and Jesus is rebuilding him, and he commissions him as a future leader of the church. Remember, at this point, the church has not been born yet. And yet, with the church forthcoming, Jesus is commissioning Peter, 
And he says, Peter, I want you to feed my lambs. When the church is born, I want you to feed my lambs as a minister of the church. I want you to bring up the little ones in the Word of God. We ought to praise God when we hear babies crying. We ought to praise God when we see those children running through the hallways, coming to Sunday school, Wednesday nights. Praise God, we're feeding the lambs exactly what Jesus told Peter to do as a minister in the church. The second time Peter says, I love you, he said, I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to feed my sheep on the Word of God. The third time, Jesus asked him, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. He said, I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to be a pastor to them. I want you to lead them. I want you to lead them in boldness to walk out into the world because we need to take the good news of the gospel outside of these doors. We need to take the gospel into the world. Peter, lead my church. So three times, Jesus restores him and rebuilds the foundation and commissions him and calls him to be the man of God Jesus called him to be and to lead the church in the way Jesus empowered him to lead and to be a minister of the gospel there. So interesting how Jesus brings him back and he says, Peter, keep following me. Keep your eyes on me. Don't compromise in me. Keep working. There's huge ministry to do and the ministry is right at hand. You can't stop now. Keep following me. But then in John chapter 21, verse 18, not only does Jesus tell Peter, I want you to keep following me throughout your life, he also tells Peter, one day to come, Peter, though you've always chosen your way, and although you're a strong man, one of these days you're going to be led where you do not want to go. You will be led to die for me. And when you are led to die for me, I want you to die with my praise on your lips. In life, live for me, even in death, Praise me. Follow me. Every day of your life, even to the last day, even to the last breath, follow me. Keep your eyes on me. So Peter is relieved and restored and recommissioned as a child of God and as a minister in the kingdom. But there's one more scene that we need to cover before we close the book. So open to John chapter 21. I think of these words often. They have come to be a part of my mind, and I pray this scripture will be established in your heart today as we look at this portion of John 21. Go to verse 20 of John 21, and we're going to close the book. Hear these words as Jesus, now having restored Peter, asking the three do you love me questions and giving him the commission and telling him that he's even going to die for Jesus. Look at how he closes the book. Chapter 21, verse 20. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? John is identifying himself there as the writer. Verse 21. Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren that that disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him he shall not die, but if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? 
This is the disciple which testifieth of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. So John is identifying himself as the writer of this gospel. He's identifying himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He's identifying himself as being that disciple who leaned on the breast, the chest of Jesus at the first Lord's Supper. He identifies himself very well in these closing verses. But I want you to notice what these verses say about Peter. Apparently, as Jesus asks the three, do you love me questions to Peter, and Peter answers him and he is reconfirmed as a minister, they had begun a walk on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. A lot of us like to walk and talk, don't we? Some of you really love to walk and talk on the beach. I hate sand. I'd, I'd rather walk and talk about anywhere else, but uh, all of us like to walk and talk. You, you choose the venue where you're best comfortable there. But that was how Peter and Jesus had concluded their conversation, walking on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus was telling Peter along the walk, Peter, always, always, always keep your eyes on me. Don't look away from me. Don't stray away from me. Don't compromise away from me. Follow me. Keep your eyes on me. And what happens? <laughs> Briefly, momentarily, Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus. And he looks over his shoulder. And what does he see? Well, trailing along behind the two of them on that walk on the shore is good old John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, he calls himself. And John is following along in a distance behind them. He's not being nosy. He's not trying to hear the conversation. He just simply cannot bear the fact that Jesus is walking down the shores and he can't trace his footprints. So he's back there at a distance, not trying to hear, but simply trying to stay in eyeshot of where Jesus is, following along behind the two. He just cannot help but trace the footsteps. But as Peter glances back, he says, Lord, you've told me about my coming ministry, and you've even told me about my coming death. But what about John back there? What's going to happen to him? What's he going to do? What's his ministry? How long will he live? He's encompassing all of those questions. And look back there. There's John. What's he going to do? And Jesus gives an answer that should energize and impassion every single one of us as a servant and believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at John 21, verse 22. John 21, 22. Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he should tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Now, before we go any further, as we look at this verse, he says, John may live until I return again. But as we stop here, let me say that when John wrote this gospel, remember that John and all the disciples had walked with Jesus in ministry for three years. Some 50 years had passed before John wrote this gospel. Five decades had gone by before John put pen to papyrus to write this gospel. And a misunderstanding had come up in the church. The church had begun to quote Jesus in saying, John is not ever going to die until Jesus returns. And John corrects that. He said a misunderstanding has arisen in the church. Christians saying John is going to live till Jesus returns. That's not what he said. John corrects the record. Look at verse 23. 
Then went this saying abroad among the brethren, which is the church, the brethren gathered together in the church, that that disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, he shall not die, but if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? So John straightens that out. Jesus did not tell Peter that John definitely will live until the second coming, and John corrects the record. Jesus said, if John should live until I return. I want you to take note of that little spot of clarification. I like how John clears it up. But here's what is really important. Listen carefully. Jesus tells Peter, whatever happens to John, how long he lives, what ministry he does, however he serves me, wherever he goes in the world, what concern is that to you, Peter? What is that to you, what happens to John? You let John do what I call John to do. But what I want you to do is keep your eyes on me. Don't live your life in relation to anybody else. You follow me. Don't follow some other servant. Follow me. Let John do what I call John to do. You do what I call you to do. You follow me. You concentrate on me. You can't get sidetracked by somebody else, Peter. Not even your good buddy John. So, Peter... Don't size up your calling against John. You do what I call you to do. Your calling is my calling, and I want you to follow me. You faithfully follow. You plug on. You do exactly what I call you to do. Follow me. Keep your eyes on me. Believers, listen. When we stand before God, and every one of us will, saved and unsaved alike, every one of us will have a private moment before Almighty God. Take that to the bank. It's true. Whoever you are, wherever you are in the world, whatever your belief system is, every one of us, according to the Word of God, is going to individually stand before Him one day. And when we stand before God, we will do so on our own merit. Romans 20, verse 13 says, Every man and woman is judged according to their works, to their faith, to the way God directs us. It's not in relation to anybody else. You stand on your own works and your own faith and your own trust in God. Romans 14, 12 says that every one of us individually will give account of our life to God. I don't know about you, but that makes my knees buckle just a little bit. Philippians 2, verses 10 and 11 says every individual knee will bow and every individual tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That doesn't mean that all the universe will be saved. It means the saved and unsaved and Satan himself will say, Jesus is Lord. Every individual tongue of the lost and the saved will proclaim Jesus as Lord. But we will stand on our own faith. We will stand on our own works. We will stand on our own calling before God Almighty. Whoever you are, wherever you are, I would stress that you take serious note of these words. It's you and Jesus. Nobody else. Your preacher grandfather will not help you in this moment. It's you and Jesus. Just like it was Jesus and Peter. So Jesus' words to Peter directly say that we're going to stand before the Lord on our own faith, on our own works, and we will give account. We will give account as to how we spent our life. How we used the days and the months and the years that God gave us to live. How did we use them? Did we use them to his glory, to his benefit, to his kingdom's work? Or did we waste them? Every one, every one will give account there. Woe be to the believer to whom God will say, you gave a lot more time to a lazy boy chair than you gave to my ministry. 
Woe be to the believer who individually will stand before God, still saved, still heaven bound, but God's going to say, you wasted your time. Every one of us is called and every one of us is gifted and every one of us is talented in serving Jesus Christ in different ways. But here's what I got to tell you, friends. According to this passage of Scripture, you be faithful to what God asks you to do. You can't live your life in relation to anybody else. Be faithful what God calls you to do. You be faithful. Stay faithful to your call, to your commission, to your faith. You be you in what God calls you to do. You know, personally, I think every pastor has these thoughts. I don't think it's just me. But we pastors look at the, the Charles Stanleys and the David Jeremiahs and the John MacArthurs and the other high-profile guys of the world, and they're on TV and uh, speaking to thousands upon thousands of people. And probably many of us, myself included, say, Lord, why can't I do that? Why can't I have that unnumbered multitude out there like these guys do? Why can't I be the next Billy Graham? Why can't I do that? Why can't I have stadiums filled? But Jesus' words ring in my ears when I come to those human thoughts. Year after year, he has said, Mike, what is that to you? That's what I've asked those guys to do. I've asked you to be a pastor in Clifford, Virginia. And that's what I'm asking you to do. You fulfill my call and what I ask you to do and keep your eyes on me and not on somebody else. Jesus rings true to us. Don't compare yourself to anybody else. You be you. You follow him. And he says, I've called you. You follow my calling in your life. Quit looking at others and see what he calls you to do. You know, sometimes we Christians can be dragged down by others. And this has been a season of that. We can look at the church and we can look at COVID and we can blame it on masks and all of that th stuff that's gone on in the last couple of years and we look at the church and think, wow, the, there's been a lot of people who've let up in ministry. There have been a number of people who've quit coming to church completely. And you know what Jesus says to us? What is that to you? You do what I call you to do. Don't compare your life to someone else who's taken another course. You do what I've called you to do. You follow me. Keep your eyes on me, not on someone else. Because they'll give account of themselves. You'll give account of yourself. Keep your eyes on me follow me. Don't get sidetracked. Don't let your eyes go over on some other path of some other person. Stay with me. Follow me. So I want you to underline and remember those words of John chapter 21 verse 22. What is that to thee? You stay faithful to me and what I call you to do because that's what matters. So in this morning, in this moment of invitation, I want you to think about two people alone. You and Jesus, behind the pulpit, Jesus and me. And if you looked him in the eye this very moment, could you truthfully tell him, my Lord, I am doing what you've called me to do. I am living the life, and I am walking the faith that you have laid before me. And I am following you, and I am keeping my eyes on you. I want to be more than a Sunday morning pew sitter or stream watcher. That's part of our faith. It's a very integral part of knowing him and worshiping him and loving him. But it's not the end of the story. Yes, we come to worship, but now we go to serve. Now we go to minister. Now we take Jesus to the world because we've been built up in our faith and strengthened and ready to go. Are we, are we engaged in ministry? Can you and Jesus agree that you're engaged in ministry the way he's talented you and called you to be? 
That's the question of this passage of Scripture. Yes, it took place with Peter, but now it applies to us. Are we following him in the way that he's called us? Today, I pray that we will rededicate our lives as members of the church. I believe the church is absolutely integral and important and essential to the life of the believer. It is, it is the creation of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we belong here. And we need each other as believers. I believe every believer should be in church. A Bible-believing, serving church. So as believers and members of the church and ministers of the gospel, will you and I follow Jesus alone? It's amazing that while this is a course that we follow Jesus alone, He then unites us all together that we follow Him together in our own separate ministries. And that's what makes the church so alive and real and reaching is because all of us are doing the same thing, following Jesus, but we're doing different things in ministry. It's a great plan. (laughs) Only the Lord could put it together. But all of us have to do our part for the church to be the church. And all of us have to make the decision that we individually are going to follow him alone and do what he calls us to do so the church can be real and the church can be ministering completely This is really the summation of the Gospel of John. The old disciple undisputably shows us the Son of God who taught us to love Him and follow Him and serve Him like sheep follow the shepherd. The shepherd knows your name. The shepherd knows your life. The shepherd knows your gifts, your talents, your call. And the shepherd says, follow me. Nobody else. No other model follow me will we surrender to doing that it's a great close to the gospel of John will we follow him no matter what the whole world is doing no matter the turns and the philosophies and all the different thoughts of the world that change every single day will we follow him because he is our anchor he is our rock he is solid and he will never change will we follow him Follow me, he says, in reaching others for the gospel. Follow me in reaching your family for the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, if you're a minister of the gospel, you can't skip over your family and get to the world. Your family's first. Don't let your grandbabies go without Jesus. Don't let your children go without a godly example. You can't skip your family and get to the world. The Bible teaches us if a man loses his own soul and gains the whole world what good has he done your family is part of your soul your first ministry is to your family don't don't lose that then then we reach the world the last scene of john just leaves us this two-word charge follow me no matter what everybody else is doing follow me above money and fame and earthly attractions follow me when the world is against you follow me when your friends criticize you follow me When you feel like you don't have enough money, follow me. No matter what, follow me. Today, who will say, Lord, I will follow you? Maybe you want to say it at this altar. I want to nail that down myself personally. Lord, I want to continue to follow you. Transitions are coming for all of us, but let's follow him. And it's important that we say that together.
Maybe you want to say it at the altar or the altar of your heart today. Lord, I will, I will follow you, you and me. My eyes, I'll follow you. I'll keep my eyes on you. Will you make that commitment today? It's the first step of a godly life when you're a believer. The last thing I have to say today is this. If you've never asked for that relationship with Jesus Christ, and if you're listening by streaming today, this invitation is for you as well as for those who are seated right here in this sanctuary. If you've never asked for a relationship, this is not a religion. This is a relationship. If you've never had a relationship with Jesus, you must know that he died on the cross with your name on his heart, your life and your sin on his shoulders, that you might be forgiven. He died on the cross that we might have forgiveness and the lifting of guilt off of our shoulders, and he rose from the grave that we might be promised eternal life. If you've never come to him as your Lord and your Savior, if you've never asked him, lay down your sin, lay down your guilt, lay down your pride, and simply say, I am I'm weak enough, Lord, and I know right now I need you as my Savior. And there's nothing going to stand between you and me. I'm laying it down before you now. I ask you to move into my heart that I might be your son or your daughter, saved by grace. Nothing I deserve, nothing I earned, nothing I paid for, saved by grace through my personal faith in Jesus as my Savior. I come. If you need him, if you're here, come to this altar. If you're at home, come to the altar of your heart. He will receive you there. But if you need him, you come. Praise God. The closing words of John are follow me. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for these moments, Lord. Thank you that you answered a prayer of mine that I got to finish the Gospel of John. For me, that's a victory today. Although I, I really hesitate in saying I'm glad we closed the book. It's been such a wonderful study. Thank you for what you've taught us. But Lord, as we close the book today, I pray that we will never close our minds on remembering as believers that your final words to Peter and to us are, follow me. Nobody else, no other path, no other way, follow me. I pray for my brothers and sisters and for myself, Lord, that we will rededicate our lives to keeping our eyes solely on you and being the man or woman of God that you want us to be, whatever that is, however you call us, however you talent us. Talent us. Bless this moment for my brothers and sisters and me, Lord, that we rededicate our lives to following you alone and being the church that wants to reach a world. For that one who needs Jesus as Savior today, I pray that he or she will just lay it all down, lay down the pride, and say, I need you, Lord Jesus. I am a sinner. I am sorry. I come to ask you to forgive me that I might be your son or your daughter. Whatever the need, Lord, thank you that you're a, a mighty and a big God and you meet us here and can meet any need. Bless us in these moments. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.